a good evening to you welcome welcome to city trends your number one technology conversation on ghana radio My name is Philip Ashon. You're welcome to the show. Before we get anything started, however, I want us to quickly observe a quick moment of silence for the six staff members of Kenya-based technology firm Cellulant who were killed in a terror attack. Now, the attack was staged by five Al-Shabaab-linked terrorists. Now, Cellulant, if you're not aware, is an online payment solutions provider in the Kenyan region. Now, the six are Ashford, Korea, Dennis Mwaniki, Jeremiah Mbaria, John Indiritu, Kelvin Gitonga, and Wilfred Kariathi. Now, um, it's it's very unfortunate that it had to happen, but um, if you don't mind, just about two seconds, just remembering them. And um, yeah, it's, it's a, it was a very, very difficult week, but I think um, a quick moment of silence wouldn't be bad. Okay. Well, remember that City Trends is indeed sponsored by Haptel. Now, if you are in charge of any social organization, group or club anywhere, and I'm guessing that you probably know how frustrating it is sometimes to collect payments from the workers, whether it is dues or whatever it is. Now, whether it's a church group or an old school union, which are usually the most difficult, or a group of friends contributing to a project. For example, you guys are going to play football or you play football every holiday or you are contributing to any project at all. Haptel gives you one short code to accept all mobile money payments into one account. Now, if you're ready to leave behind all the stress of managing such payments, sign up at haptel.com with the referral code CTFM or dial star 713. So just note this, visit haptel.com and use the referral code CITIFM or simply pick up your phone and dial star 713 hash right now. Your short code will be ready for use in less than one hour. And that is the promise that Haptel will stand by. Haptel helping you collect payments easily. On the show today, we are talking about getting into tech with Adam Kumaji. We've been talking so much about the tech, tech ecosystem in Ghana, technology, advancements all over the world. How do you even start the journey? Adam will be guiding us through that. We have the how-to segment, the app segment, and the trending segment of the show also coming up. Um, we also have a brand new segment, as you know. We announced that last week. It's called Your Tech. And today we have two questions um, or problems that you have told us about. And we have some answers for you as well. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 54 Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. Well, let's get the show started. Now, the how-to segment of the show features some of, you know, the common concepts and the tips and the tricks um, you need to know regarding the technology you typically use and that surrounds you. Now, Jeffrey Okusapong today is sharing some insights on laptop batteries. 
Hello and welcome to the How to Segment on City Trends. This evening, we are talking about two things you shouldn't do when you are charging your laptop. The first thing you should never do is charging your laptop on a pillow or a blanket. You have to be careful about the heat it takes to run the device, which will drain your battery faster and ruin battery life. The biggest problems come from the laptop's ventilation ports, when objects obstruct airflow, often a pillow or a blanket. When charging your laptop, never lay it on a pillow or blanket. This causes poor airflow and retains heat from the system, essentially frying your battery. Avoid this by always charging your laptop on a flat, firm surface, like a table or a desk. Avoid this by always charging your laptop on a flat, firm surface, like a table or desk, which won't block airflow or cooling. Also, don't keep the laptop plugged in when the battery is full. Most people find it more comfortable to keep their laptops plugged in to the power adapter and treat it like a desktop computer. The biggest issue with this is that it damages the battery capacity. Why? It's similar to the concept of not overcharging your iPhone devices. It's all about the charge cycles that every device is built with. Every battery pack comes with a charge cycle capacity. And one charge cycle is where your battery goes from empty or near empty to full. Most batteries come with a specific number of charge cycles before they die off. When we continuously charge our laptops using our power adapter than what's required, when we continuously charge our laptops using our power adapter than what's required, then due to the chemical reaction caused in the ion exchange, the overall charging capacity inside the battery is hurt. We are going to be talking about how to get into the technology space. A lot of you out there interact with various forms of technology on a daily basis. You basically share stuff on WhatsApp probably and you're not even aware of the capacity of the technology that's available to you. You probably have an iPhone 8 and you don't even understand what it does. You have a cousin who says he wants to learn coding and you're wondering how is that supposed to help anybody in their life? Well, it is a very crazy world that we are in and the world is moving and changing at a pace that a lot of people really can't comprehend. Now, in order for us to make sense of that, we need people who understand what it means to build a technology ecosystem and exist and survive in it. And so that is the reason why I have had um, to move out and get someone into the studio for us to have a conversation about that. Getting into a technology space, what does it take? Who, who is welcome in the technology space for that matter? And how can you still survive in this? What are some of the challenges that typically people face? Now, my guest in the studio is... Um, like I said, he is a very passionate young man. He, he loves Ghana. He loves technology and he loves to play with it and create things and make things. He has a very incredible history with regards to technology in Ghana and um, it's such a pleasure to have him in the studio. He's currently a senior consultant um, with Andela and he'll be telling us more about Andela um, in just a bit. Adam Kumaji, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell us, um, <laughs> what does it mean to be a senior consultant at Andela? First of all, what is Andela in the first place? And what does it mean to be a senior analyst or consultant okay, at so, Andela? Um, 
Andela is basically an institution that is that has one goal. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal is to invest into um, tomorrow's leaders by equipping them with the te- te- technical skills they need today, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the way we do that is by um, trying to find the most um, s- the smartest, the most intelligent people, the most passionate people about um, technology who are looking to learn how to code. Uh, we put them through an intensive um, fellowship that lasts four years. Okay. Um, during this time, they are going to learn how to code. You know, from the very basic, there is no um, technical knowledge required before you join the fellowship. Yeah. Um, but it's really intense. So they go through the, the boot camp. Um, they get assigned to projects with um, our partners all over the world. Um, and you know, during the time, they will get to work on different projects. They will get to get they will get they will get exposed to. Um, you know, different communities, different ecosystems from, you know, all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after four years, they graduate out of the fellowship. And the, the, the aim is that, you know, over time, we'll be able to train um, enough people to build, a, you know, a, a talent pool of technical people that is large enough to tackle Africa's problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've started doing this um, three, three and a half years ago, mm-hmm. and we just graduated our first... Um, our first batch of fellows um, a couple of months ago. Um, And so, yeah, so that's that's essentially what Andela does, um, you know, from a very high level. Mm. Um, So now as a senior consultant, um, what that means is obviously, you know, as as people are getting to learn how to code, they need they need coaches and mentors um, to assist them. There is no it's not everything that you can you can learn from textbooks. Right. Um, And obviously, um, you know, it's too, too much of a risk to go on a partner engagement and then sort of like making these mistakes. Mm-hmm. A lot of the partners cannot afford for you to make mistakes as you are, you know, um, learning how to, to, to get better at this right. thing. Um, so our job as senior consultants is to make sure that um, when we get on, on partner engagements, we are, you know, leading this team of fellows. We are coaching them, um, teaching them the best practices that they need to know. And then we are also managing the relationship on the, on the partner side to make sure that, um, you know, they are happy with the work that's being done. Mm. And then on the Andela side, we are making sure that the fellows are learning the things that they have to learn to right. get, you know, really good at what they, they have to do. I, I just I just would like to know then that what it means is it puts you in a very unique position to be able to see or understand the trends. For example, what is the quality of the material <laughs> or the human resource that you get initially before you even start imparting knowledge and getting them ready for, you know, the the other companies and the corporates who are looking for technical people. What is the quality of the resource that's typically available to you right from the beginning? Um, so, obviously, we we do a lot of work to try and attract people from all backgrounds. So that's the first thing. I think the the first quality that we are looking for is diversity. Um, you know, from having you know enough women in in the space to having people from different kind of backgrounds who all come together and all share this passion for technology. So that's one. Mm-hmm. Second thing is we are looking for people who are very curious about technology. Um, you know, so that means we are looking for um, like a certain level of you know, curiosity, like you know, people who can tinker with things, who can break things apart, mm-hmm. put them back together. And our tests are designed in such a way that we can actually find these people. Right. Um, so out of the applications that we receive, we actually only take 1% of wow. those who apply it's yeah it's that intense wow and i've seen people who i thought were really good um, apply for the fellowship and not get in not not because they're not good but they're not just good enough mm. so we we try very hard to find to only recruit 
the very best of the best. Mm -hmm. um, the process is not perfect, of course. We, you know, there, there's still a lot we can do and we can learn from every batch of people that we bring in. Um, but it's, it's designed to really try and find, you know, the smartest people um, that are, you know, curious about technology, that are really passionate about it, that are also passionate about, um, you know, like making an impact in Africa right. um, and, you know, really want to learn among the best people they can find mm. and, and achieve those goals. Wow. Um, so an example I can give you, for instance, is um, when we started four years ago, we had a, a security guard. Okay. who he's just like you know a normal security guy who was just you know placed there yeah. and he was watching people come in and come out <laughs> he saw you know the passion that all the fellows had with learning technology so the energy and all that and then he decided that he wanted to apply hmm. and he got in so now he's also wow. a fellow now so that's like an incredible wow. story um, you know we've we've had people from all sorts of backgrounds so you, you hear you hear fellows and you hear their stories and how they got into the, the industry mm. and everybody kind of has a unique story mm. that's the other thing that i also like so it's like everybody that you interact with mm. has a unique perspective they bring to technology mm. and that's that diversity is what is beautiful because it means that when you think about a problem is like the way you're thinking about it is going to be different from the way someone else is thinking sure. about it and that's what sure. we're looking for yeah. we want those different perspectives all coming together mm. in synergy and, and sometimes it is this diversity in thought and diversity in approach that sometimes makes it difficult for people to even get into the tech space because a lot of people come into or approach the space and feel that there are some pre-qualified people who are sort of predestined to even be there. There are some people who, like, you need a special kind of anointing of sorts to, before you can even get there. I'm just wondering, um, for you, you've worked in Ghana, you've worked in other spaces, Coming back to the core issue that um, we, we are discussing, what does it take to get into the technology space in Ghana? Um, so I think there's a lot of misconceptions about the technology space, as you're saying. True. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've seen people who, who would say, oh, um, I don't have a degree in computer science, so mm -hmm. I can't do this. Um, I wasn't good at math in high school, so I don't, I, I, I don't understand any of this. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't have the entrepreneurial spirit to start a company, so I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, and and I think, in, in some aspects, I understand why this has happened. Is because when we think about te technology or we think about products that we use, we are mm -hmm. always there is the focus is always on two groups of people. Right. It's always on the software engineers mm -hmm. and then on the entrepreneurs, yeah. right? Yeah. And you know, the entrepreneurs are glorified to mm -hmm. make them look like. They had this genius idea. They woke up one morning and ta-da, <laughs> I've right? solved the world's problems. Exactly. And, and it's always kind of, kind of uh, you, know, uh, you know, the story is always narrated in such a way that, uh, you know, this person was destined to be an entrepreneur. You yeah. know, they started from doing this and that. And, you know, so people started think that... nothing. And you know, yeah. So people always think that, oh, you know, because I didn't do these things when I was a kid, I can't do this. I can't, I can't be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And then on the software engineering side, um, the, the big misconception is that, uh, many people think that, um, you know, to be a software engineer, it means you have to have, you know, like, maybe it's because of the engineer word in there, mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, we think about an engineer generally is civil engineering, mechanical engineering, biochemical engineering, and all those things involve a lot of math, physics, you know, and, and other things. So if you finish high school and felt like, oh, I, I, I didn't do math, you know, I, I wasn't good at math or physics and all that, there's no way I can understand um, you know what goes into coding, then you have this conception that you can't, you can't get in the field. But in the last ten years that I've been in this industry, I've seen people from different, you know, um, industries, different spaces mm -hmm. that, 
decided to give, let's say, coding a chance, and they've done very well. We've seen people who have, you know, like they studied something entirely different, and today they are running companies in entirely different spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I've come to, to 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 realize is that what it actually takes, to be honest, if I could res- if I could summarize it, mm. would be um, first is curiosity, right? Mm. And curiosity in the sense that you 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 find a problem and you ask yourself why, like why does this problem exist? Uh-huh right um and you are so passionate about this problem like you understand everything about it mm. and you, you start asking yourself so how can i solve this problem and you wouldn't stop until you find a solution and this solution has to involve some kind of technical you know um, implementation or execution mm. um, and now depending on what that kind of problem is then you could either be solving it from the angle of writing code or starting a company or right. doing design or you know, so that that's that's what it is. But of course, um, that doesn't mean that getting into tech is easy either, because um, it's going to be a lot of trial and error. It's going to, it's going to be a lot of experimentation. It's going to be a lot of failed ventures. You know, a lot of money that you invest that may not necessarily you know go anywhere. Yeah. Um, but that also doesn't mean that um, the bar to entry is high. Right. Um, anybody can can get into tech. It really depends on what your passion is. Mm-hmm and how you think of you know, using technology to solve their problem. All right. Yeah. Well, my guest in the studio is Adam Kumoji. Um, he is a lead consultant at Andela. He's told us all about Andela. But um, we have started the journey into how to get into the technology space in Ghana. And I'm guessing the lessons that we're going to be picking up today will apply for virtually every you know, tech ecosystem that you're going to find yourself in. He's talked about curiosity as the first one, and we'll be delving into some of the other qualities or some of the other things that you need to have in your backpack before you can start the journey into the um, the tech space in whichever country or whichever continent that you belong in. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. Today I'm in the studio with Adam Kumoji. He is a lead consultant um, at Andela, and um, we are talking about how you can get into the technology space. A lot of people have all these jargons being thrown around, and sometimes, quite frankly, you can get very confused. So we're trying to help you to find where your passions are and just listen out for some of the key lessons that my guest has for you. And if you have any contributions as well, you can send it through on our WhatsApp number. So Adam, you talk about curiosity being like the very first, like the biggest thing. And I'm just thinking to myself, yes, you're curious, but if you don't have the necessary technical skills, I mean, that's already a barrier in that sense, you know, especially, I mean, I don't know if it's such a big deal in Ghana as well, in terms of the technical capability of the individual. How, how big a deal is that? Well, it is a big deal. Um, there is, it's very clear, we, we all know that um, there, is a, there is a big um, gap in you know, the lack of skill, the technical skills that we need to fill um, a lot of the jobs that are popping up in the tech space. Mm. Um, but one thing that I want to emphasize is that um, <clears throat> when you look at you know, products that we use, like the tech products, the apps, the, the websites and everything, mm. um, people also assume that 
you know, uh, you know, like I said earlier, it's either they are talking about the engineers who, who wrote the code or the entrepreneur who built the company. Yeah. Um, there is a multitude of, you know, jobs or um, paths in mm -hmm. tech that actually don't, you know, if involve anything about writing code or starting a company. You don't have to necessarily be, um, you know, the one with the technical skills to actually also break into tech. So, right. for instance, um, one thing that people, a lot of people ignore is that we also need very good design when you're doing, you're, you're, you're building apps or building websites or building products generally. Right. And when I say design, I'm not talking about, you know, just graphic design, putting the thing mm -hmm. together. I'm talking about actual user experience research, like trying to figure out, you know, how people are going to use these products, is the flows that I'm designing proper for mm -hmm. the markets I'm trying to penetrate, is the size of the devices they're going to be interacting with, am I taking that into consideration, am I taking accessibility into consideration? Mm -hmm. So all these are things that, you know, fall under user experience, that's right. also very important. Then there is product management, mm -hmm. people who can execute, you know, the, the vision of the, the, the company, like, okay, we are trying to build this product X, how do we go from these features or these requirements or these specifications to actually having a working product? Mm. That in itself is something that is very important. And a lot of a lot of companies that have good products, it's, it's, it always comes from the fact that they have great product managers who yeah. know how to translate, you know, these requirements into specifications that the engineers can work on, mm. right? I think the challenge is that because there isn't a, enough lights being shed on these jobs, um, many times you have one person who is both the entrepreneur and then the technical person, mm. and the, mm. you know, so they the, take one on person so has much. to do. They, yeah. they take on so much, yeah. and that doesn't that doesn't necessarily. Yeah, but sometimes know, that's just because you know the money is not available. You have a brilliant idea. Well, true. You, know, you think that you can change the world, and well, that's true. Um, but I can also tell you that there is also a big lack um, of. Uh, you know, like for instance, user experience researchers and mm. products managers in Ghana. And that just forces companies to have people who are not spe specialists in these fields do these things. So mm. they don't do them as well as they should, right? right? Mm. Um, so what I can say is that um, no matter what industry you come from, the first thing is try and figure out what your strengths are. Right. If you are a very analytical person, if you can think of problems and you can break them into models and how they interact with each other and, you know, try and come up with solutions. If you're the kind of person who likes to, you know, I don't know, like break things apart and then put them back together with electronics or all these kind of things, then, you know, considering, consider to learn how to code because, yeah. you know, it's, I think for me, um, what I've, what I've come to realize is that it is, it is, it is more, you know, logical thinking than math and science or these kind of things. That's what actually um, goes goes into like those those who become great coders are not necessarily the best at math or mm -hmm. you know physics or whatever they are just the best at thinking logically right. um, you know understanding true false all these kind of things right. I mean some of them are great at playing chess yeah. and games like that where like rules are set and they know how to you know those kind of things so if if you if you are in that kind of um, if, or if you are that kind of person then consider to learn how to code right. if you are the kind of person who can manage things. So I'll, I'll take. I'll give you an example. Event planners, for instance, I mm. think are the best people who have the pre-required sets of skills to become great product managers. Right. Because event planning is about mm. bringing a bunch of people together, yeah. bringing vendors together, finding a managing venue, doing this, doing that, all the way to yeah. the event actually happening mm. and then coordinating and making sure that all everything happens. Yeah. It's the same thing in product management. Mm -hmm. Like you have, you have a goal in mind, 
Um, this is what we are trying to build. This is the things that we need. How do we find them? How do we coordinate? How do we execute to make sure that it gets launched on, on the date, within the time, you know, and the and the resource that, that was given to you, right. right? So if you are good at event planning, um, you know, process management, all these things that involve managing resources mm. and all that, consider product management. Mm. If you are a creative person, like let's say you like to paint, you like to do poetry, you like to do... Um, you like to think about human relations or, um, you know, like creative arts, anything that's visual and all that, then you consider user experience um, because it's it's all about, I mean, at the end of the day, when you build a product, it's going to go into the hands of real users. Right. And I, I've, I've come to realize that when engineers or coders, you know, um, are the ones who are thinking about the user experience, they almost always end up building products that only other technical people understand. Right. Because when you see, right. like, let's say you see a login <laughs> form, yeah. and, you know, you see something like authenticate as a word, mm. instead of saying something mm. like sign in, you mm. think it's a very subtle... Because for you, authenticate is like, maybe that's how you wrote it in the code. So you right. think, yeah, it's authenticate. Everybody but should understand it. Somebody would be like, what is authenticate? What, what am I doing here, right? right? Um, and you compare that to something as simple as adding, like, let's say a little visual animation of mm. a door opening and closing or a lock that is opening and closing. Mm. Then they mm. look at it, they look at the visuals and they're like, oh, okay, this means that I'm logging into something, I'm yeah. accessing something. Right. So this page is asking me to, you know, um, <laughs> put in my credentials, right? And it's only yeah. people who have that kind of like artistic visual, mm. you know, background or do those kind of things mm. that are able to relate to that. And it doesn't really have to be something that you do professionally. There are people who work in banks and on the side they paint or mm. they draw or mm. they do all sort of creative. So to think about what, you know, what really you're passionate about that you're already good at. Right. And then figure out, you know, how can I, can I translate those skill sets into one of the things right. that I can do in mm. tech. Um, people who are able to do this become some of the best that I know. Um, I, I know people who had no technical background. They became great product, product managers. Mm. I know people who were, I know two girls, journalists. They, today they are amazing software engineers. One okay. of them is doing cybersecurity stuff. And <laughs> that actually involves a lot of math. Yeah. And she does that. And I was mm. like, I would have never thought that somebody who writes for a newspaper would be able to do these kind of things now. Wow. So that just tells you that it's, it's really, you know, these misconceptions that stops people from trying to get into the space, right? If I may ask, um, at the end of the day, getting into the, techn the technology space, it's one of two things. It's either you're following a passion or you are looking for a career option. Now, if you're looking for a career option, you need salary. You need to be paid. Yeah. How worth, how, how, how worthwhile is it to be in the tech space in Ghana? Um, that's but, a I mean, we hear about frustrations from technology entrepreneurs, left, right, center. Yeah. Sometimes it's downright depressing. Yes. You know, it makes you just want to clock out and Charlie just forget yeah. it's all happened. How how worthwhile is it? Um, so I have to say, I have to admit that um, the Ghanaian tech space in particular mm. hasn't been very good at compensating, you know, fairly. Mm. Um, software engineers. And this argument, we've had it a lot of times on social media, and some people disagree with me. I mm. still think that we are not being compensated well enough. Right. Um, and there are many reasons why. Um, you know, market is too small, so the products you're building mm. are not, you know, you're not making enough money from it to be able to pay people mm. um, well enough. That's, that's what many people say. Right. But I've also seen, you know, 
quite a number of companies that have done really well that still just don't, you know, uh, pay, um, you know, people it's who work. Incredible amounts. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so what I what I say is that if you are looking to get into the tech space, even if it is because you are looking to switch careers, um, don't give up what you are currently doing mm. to get into it. Because mm. first of all, it takes it takes a bit of time and you know passion and to actually get to the point where you understand what you are doing well enough that somebody will be willing to pay you to do it, right? So that's the first thing. So don't just quit and then start doing this. Um, secondly, um, I think that it is also worth looking at options outside, um, like, you know, companies that are willing to hire remote workers and stuff like that, because um, once you start putting yourself on the, on the global markets, that means that um, the, the, the standard rate that you're going to be able to charge is going to be much higher because you are competing with other people in other markets that have a history of paying much better wages yeah. than, than we do. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm beginning to see that. So the trend lately has been many people, you know, whether they're engineers or product managers, are beginning to look at, you know, can I put myself out there? You know, I don't want to work for any Ghanaian company. Mm. I want to work for a remote company because they will pay me better. Yeah. And what ha that has ended up doing is that it has it is beginning to force um, the local companies to offer better salaries if they want to keep their talents. Because I because I mean, long at long gone long gone are the days when you know you have let's say a brilliant person who is just in your office and you know is not exposed to anything yeah. because of you know LinkedIn and Twitter and all these like all these communities coming up, it's, it's very easy to identify top talent, mm. and they won't stay with you forever. There's True. going to be a recruiter who will reach out to them. Yeah. They themselves are I mean, going to be doing. If they are that doing, good, then someone are, better come yeah, for them. Exactly yeah. right. So that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, so I would say that um, you know I, I still think we can do better in terms of salaries and wages generally. You know in, in the tech space, mm. um, a few companies are beginning to you know, look at that and they are they are you know they are offering better salaries. I don't want to mention any company names but it's fine, it's fair. They know themselves. <laughs> um and I, I'm sure more companies will follow follow that step. Um but I would say one other thing is people who tend to try and get into the tech space because they are looking for a career switch or want to do it just for the money, they get discouraged very quickly. Mm. Right? Mm. Um because again like I said it takes a lot of time, effort, money, passion, a lot of sleepless nights to get it. And think about it this way. If you are going to spend, I don't know, like 5,000 cities investing on, in all these resources, um, you know, and then at the end of the day, the first job you get offers you like 1,000 cities a month, you're mm. going to be like, ah, if I had taken these 5,000 cities and put it into some business somewhere, I would have made more, much more money. Yeah. Right? So that's where the passion um, components becomes very important. Mm. Like if you don't have the passion for it, you Forget give it. up very quickly. Mm. Um, so become passionate about a particular problem that you see tech can solve for you. And yeah. a lot of the people who are really good at, like if you if you talk to any anybody that's very good in in the tech industry, and you, you just ask them one question, what really made you get into this field? Mm. And you hear all sorts of interesting answers. You know, some people got into it because they're frustrated with payment systems. They wanted to build something different. Some people got into it because they wanted to do, do something like Amazon and there yeah. was no option for them here. Mm. They have all sorts of like angles that got them into the space and then they expanded yeah. from there, right? So that's 
that passion always would, would, would count for something. That's, that's how when things get tough, you mm. don't give up, you mm. continue going. Mm. But then once you get into it, of course, don't just you know, give up what is your daily breadwinner for mm -hmm. this thing. Mm -hmm. um, make sure that you've gotten good enough and, and can command like a comfortable salary before you focus on it full time. And definitely consider remote, remote work. These days, many companies are, because the talent you know, gap is so wide and they are looking they are looking for people everywhere. So if they find somebody who is very good at doing um, you know, something in the tech field, no matter where they are in the world, they'll be willing to let them work remotely and pay them, you know, much, much better wages. I see. I see. Well it's 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 been it's been an incredible eye opener for me especially. Um, having to to deal with a lot of technology entrepreneurs in the past and to hear from someone like you, especially who deals with so many different um, institutions and you know people who want to get into the space already are in the space, and some of them who want to even rise higher in yeah. the space, it's it's really interesting. Now, before we go, I'm finally wrapping up. Is there is there anything that probably there's a technology entrepreneur? There's some guy sitting in his bank, some guy sitting at home, you know, wondering what to do, how to get into the space, what, what to even get them started. You know, because sometimes how to even start is the problem. You know, talk to them for me. Like, how do you even go about this? <laughs> um, so I've, I've had the opportunity to, um, you know, mentor and coach many people over the years. And one thing that have always been interesting to me to watch is the people that I mentor who end up doing amazing things are the ones who got into the space because they wanted to solve a specific problem, right? right? Mm. Um, there are so many things that you can learn. Mm. And honestly, I don't, I don't think even me at this point, <laughs> I know 10% of right. everything out there, mm. right? Um, so if you try to get into the space um, saying, oh, I have to learn this and that and this and that and this and that, you will never actually go anywhere. Mm. You always feel like you are drowning. Mm. You always feel frustrated mm. because... Things are and things are changing very quickly, yeah. right? Um, so if you want to get into the space, first of all, find a problem mm -hmm. that you really want to. See. It doesn't have to be anything big. When I was getting into the space, what I did was um, I was in Legon at the time, mm -hmm. and those days when you're paying your your school fees, you go to GCB, you yeah. pay the fee, yeah. you take the receipt, you go to finance office, <laughs> then they give you an official receipt, <laughs> and then you use that to go to every oh, single Charlie. department. And then, oh my God, and the so, queues. And the queues. Oh my so God. it could take yeah. like two to three weeks to actually register for all your courses, right? Yeah. Um, and that frustrated me personally. Trust me. I didn't. It was, the only, <laughs> it was the most frustrating <laughs> bit right. of experience anybody could be get, taken so, to. So that's like actually how I got into tech because um, that experience, I started thinking, ah, but there has to be a better way of doing right. this thing. Like, why, why, why are we doing this? Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense. Why, mm -hmm. isn't the, why do I have to submit my, the same data in every single department? Why mm -hmm. do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? Mm -hmm. So that's why I started thinking about building, like, you know, a student information system, not mm -hmm. for any reason, just to prove that, you it's know, possible. it's possible, mm -hmm. right? And that kept me going until I had a fully built system, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then from there, you know, I was able to get my first job, and then, you know, it just started from there. So funny that's that problem that is like it's like it has to annoy you enough that you say, Oh, I want to do something about this. And tackling it from that angle would mm. always motivate you. Mm. Because then on one side you are only learning what you need to solve that yeah. problem. And that's more valuable than any skill you can you like 
the, the skill to learn how to learn and, mm. and stay motivated is more valuable than learning 1,000 things that's that, incredible. that mean nothing, that's incredible, right? Yeah. So if your solution involves building a mobile app, then you have no business learning web technologies, right? Yeah. That means you can start focusing on, okay, what mobile technology should I learn? If I'm taking it from the product management perspective, you know, what kind of like best practices do I need to know? All these kind of things. Yeah. If you're building a web app, then you have no business learning other thing. It's like it keeps you very focused mm. and narrow on yeah. what you want to solve. Mm. And then you stay on that path until you have a solution. And mm. the thing is, once you have that solution, this is something that you can then show to other people and say, hey, look at what I can do. Mm. Right? Mm. So in my case, um, building that student information system, I was able to demo registering a student, registering for classes and all that. And guess what? My first job was for a company that was building a website for doing hotel reservation. Wow. And they were like, oh, if you're able to do this, then, then you should you be able can, to do should, this. You know, it, it, was, it was very yeah. easy to transition into that. Wow. And then from there, it just continues, right? Mm. So that's the thing. And today, I think there is just so much knowledge out there. There is so much, there is so much new things that people get very overwhelmed, yeah. right? They're like, I have to learn this. I have to learn that. I have to learn this. Yeah. Focus. Mm. Like, find one problem. It doesn't have to be a big problem. Mm. A small problem that you're like, I want to build something to solve this. Mm. Focus on just that and then start researching into, um, you know, what you need to do. And the people who are able to do that are even the best people you can mentor. Because when they're coming to you, they're not coming to ask you, About oh, I'm trying to learn C++. Right. I don't know. Can you give me They know resources? exactly what they want. They're coming to you. They're like, I want to solve this problem, but I don't know where to go to. And you're like, okay, start reading about this. When you finish, then come back and I'll tell you what to mm. read next. Mm. And they go, you know, all the way to actually solving the problem. Mm. You know, so that's, that's what I would say. It's very important to focus. Find one problem, focus on it, finish it, and what you learn through that process is the most valuable skill you can have. Curiosity, passion, passion focus. Everything else is an add-on. Yeah. But these three <laughs> are the fundamentals. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure coming your way on City Trends today. My guest has been um, a lead um, advisor, counselor, consultant, <laughs> great mind, everything um, at Andela. It's been such a pleasure to have him on, on the show. Thank you so much, Adam. Appreciate, appreciate your, your, your time with us. So, yes. Uh... Has your computer developed a problem you don't understand? Is your phone refusing to respond? Is there a computer virus you are battling with? Are you having problems signing into your account? Share your tech problems with City Trends and we will get the experts to help you solve them. Send us your problems via WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. You can also send us a tweet using the hashtag CityTrends. And now we'll move straight into the app segment of the show. And what a conversation that was with Adam. I do hope you picked up a couple of notes. Some of you have sent in your messages. Wise Duho says, coding involves a lot of waking up in the night because you finally figured out how to finally solve the three-day-old problem. And that's coming from Wise Duho on Twitter. Um, Gameli um, Ajaho um, says on Twitter, love the points being made by Adam Kumoji. And of course, quite a number of others. Sir Kingsley um, also tweets, um, tune in to City Trends um, with Kofi Ashon and the Maverick Adam Kumoji. Your comments are, of course, welcome on the show. This is City Trends. We are getting into the app segment of the show with Jeffrey Oreku Sapong.
But before we get into the app segment of the show, quick one. Um, there's been a lot of conversation on the City Breakfast Show and um, on Traffic Avenue and quite a number of platforms about cryptocurrency. Now, I remember sometime last year we had a conversation about cryptocurrency and our guest on the show was Danilo Puni Frempong, who is a sales manager enterprise business unit at Haptel. Now, he shared quite a lot of insight about So, we're going to just um, go back in time real quick and listen Please listen, if you're out there, listen to the explanation, the breakdown of what exactly cryptocurrency is, just in case you are still confused about what exactly is going on. All right. So um, thanks for having me. And I'll start this way. So um, cryptocurrencies are basically digital assets, which are designed as a medium of exchange. And they use cryptography okay now the reason we use cryptography is basically to secure transactions make transactions very safe it controls um, the creation of additional transactions okay so with that what it means is um, nobody can illegally create illegal transactions basically and then it also helps with the verification of transactions now in in simple layman's term i would i will explain yeah because for a second, I was wondering, what's, what do you mean by cryptography? Yes, and, yes. You know. So, cryptography, it's, um, I'll call it um, a form of language. Okay. It secures whatever you are writing in programming. Mm-hmm. But I'll try and explain uh, cryptography or cryptocurrencies in a very simple way. We would love that. that yes, I'm sure your listeners and our listeners would find we very would useful. We would love that, trust. So, let's look at it this way. Um, let's say I own a bank. Okay. Okay. And my bank has 500 customers. Okay. And these 500 customers, they, they love to bank with me for three specific reasons. The first is this. When they come to me, I give them an account and I give them a certain secret code that they can access the account with. Hmm. Now, with that secret code, they are the only ones who have access to that account. Nobody else does. Hmm. That's the first thing. Now, the next thing is this. If they perform a transactions on the account, everybody within the network sees a certain transaction has been performed. Hmm. What that secures is it prevents a situation where people can just go in there and perform transactions anonymously and nobody gets to know this transaction has occurred. Okay. So when a transaction occurs, everybody within the network gets to see that, okay, this transaction has occurred. Now, the final thing is this. Though everybody within the network sees a certain transaction has occurred, nobody knows who is performing those transactions now if i go to my bank now my Mm -hmm. typical banks Mm -hmm. and i have an account with my bank there's a fair chance that my branch manager will know that okay daniel has an account with us and he has this value in his account but with cryptocurrencies my bank manager knows somebody has a certain value in an account with us but we don't know who that somebody is Mm. Mm. and I don't even have access to that account as a branch manager. Hmm. So if there's a mistake, there's no way I can go in there and reverse a transaction as a branch manager. I don't have access to it. Hmm. I don't know who has access to that particular account because hmm. he has a secret code. Hmm. Unless he gives that secret code to somebody else, nobody has access to that account. Hmm. That is the, the basic explanation of cryptocurrency. It's an, we put it this way. So when you have an account... Let's have a Bitcoin account. I'm sure you're going to go to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So if you have a Bitcoin account, you don't have access to that account. When you have the secret code to that account, nobody else does. Mm. 
unless you compromise that secret code and then somebody gets it hmm. and uh, you are toast <laughs> <laughs> so you talked about having an account yes when a transaction happens everybody within the network or within the branch yes. knows that an, a, a transaction has happened exactly but then nobody knows exactly who performed the performed, transaction and that's the basis basics yes of what cryptocurrency exactly is. but that's simple enough isn't it it is very simple you see the the i'm sure the confusion is really from the fact that it's still early days yet mm. in the whole blockchain technology cryptocurrency it's still in the early days yet mm. if you ask me i think we we, we are still formulating it is still going new mm. things are going to come up mm. and for, for most people the idea of um having your money on let's say on an app on the phone and uh, they hear stories of people having their accounts being hacked and mm. all that it scares them so they never even take the chance to at least go in there and find out what cryptocurrencies are but then even in your bank your account is still hacked exactly anyway. exactly so that that is a fear but the good thing is people are becoming uh, much more open to it now because mm. in my conversations day to day with people when you ask them about Bitcoin, at least they, they've heard it on the news. They they are eager to learn more about it. So gradually that is changing. Mm. It will take time, especially in our part of the world. Mm. It's going to take time, but I know eventually we will get there. People, I mean, and we'll, we'll get into the conversation about the value rising and the value falling, falling and yes. all these confusions and everything. But why should anyone of us in Ghana or anywhere else consider getting it, like, should actually decide that this is what we should be considering like in terms of doing because there are some countries who have adopted it like on a very national yes. scale yes. why should we be thinking as a community of people in ghana or wherever to adopt this you know new technology you see the the thing is i have a strong belief and i'm very hopeful i'm right <laughs> that eventually the technology behind cryptocurrency the blockchain technology mm -hmm. is really going to disrupt most of the things we do mm. and when we get to that stage it's going to be like the way the internet is now mm. there's no way you can do anything in an office without the internet True. and that is what i feel the blockchain tech is going to be mm. in the future mm. so there are a lot of writers uh, and experts who call the blockchain technology the internet 2.0 because mm. mm. they feel it's, it's going to be the next thing after the advent of the internet mm. so for me it's just like we being in 1991 right where the internet was 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 spawning so, and everybody was talking about it yeah. and you were scared about very it scared well. yeah and i'm sure people were scared of the internet because all we could think about the internet was People frauding people, mm -hmm. people, you know, even, uh, even the fact people. that you didn't understand what exactly you're dealing with. Yes. And quite frankly, quite a number of people even today still don't have a full understanding. Very All true. they know is that hey, you must be a part of this. Exactly. Otherwise, you're going to exactly. be out of the game. Right. Exactly. Right. So uh, I think that's where we are. We are we're mm. in the 1991s of the internet with cryptocurrencies now. And we are going to get there, you know, where you get to a new office and then somebody has a PC that has internet. We are going to get there where. If not everybody, majority of people are going to know what cryptocurrencies are, what the blockchain tech is.
Well, I do hope that gives you a certain understanding of what exactly cryptocurrency is the base of it you know and as the year rolls on we will be bringing you more and more education about cryptocurrency about blockchain technology which is the basis upon which cryptocurrency is built and then you know other new technologies giving you a better understanding so let's jump straight into the app segment of the show and jeffrey rukusapong is here jeffrey what do you have for us this week Okay, so um, as I promised last week, um, we are bringing you two apps that we brought last year. We have M Pharma and then my Smart Cook. So we'll first listen to M Pharma, and then we'll next straight after we'll hear from my Smart Cook. Hi, my name is Yaku Guano, and I'm the product manager for Muti. Um, M Pharma is the parent company, and Muti is our B2C business. Muti is a membership-based um, program that makes sure that if you are a patient you can get your medicines and pay for the cost of it over a certain amount of time Um, the cost of the drug is going to be cheaper or the same as what is on the market and on top of it you get the chance to pay for it in flexible payment terms um, for the duration of the time that you'll be receiving treatment and after treatment Um, we want to definitely put push muti for cancer treatment so the three cancers that we're looking at is prostate cancer cervical cancer and breast cancer so m pharma um, through our muti program has medicines for these cancers and we want to be able to um, have patients be able to get access to the medicines on credit we don't add any interest to the cost of the drugs the patients will receive the drugs again cheaper than what's on the market or the same as what's on the market but never more than what's on the market um, we're working with um east wing clinic in tema um, to make sure that you know your prescriptions will be attended to you can pick up your drugs at east wing in tema um, you can contact m pharma um, on our muti line at 055-813-4375 to t- speak to someone on the phone who can help you understand the program and help you with the registration process the registration is free Bethel Yaboa is Head of Public Affairs and Communications at the Coca-Cola Bottling Company of Ghana Limited. The app, My Smart Coke, is an online party service that enables users to place orders for Coca-Cola products for all events, be it weddings, funerals, birthday parties, or any celebration. All one simply needs to do is to launch the app, choose their package of choice, pay with mobile money, Visa or MasterCard, and voila! The products are then delivered to the consumer's preferred location anywhere in the country. If the consumer wants to customize their package according to their preference or style, MySmartCook allows them to do that. MySmartCook is a service powered by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company of Ghana Limited. For further information, visit MySmartCook.com. MySmartCook, global orders, local deliveries. So indeed, those are our three local apps. I'm um, going back in time, and um, two local apps. Sorry, uh, my smart coke, and of course M um, Pharma. M Pharma's platform, Muti. Mm, mm, yeah, mm, those mm. two. So that's what I'm doing next week. I'll go and look for more, and then bring it to you guys. Hopefully, you know, we'll get more from the local guys. 
Do you have an app that can help make life easier for everyone? Do you want the world to know about your app? Send a voice note about your app to City Trends via WhatsApp at 0549-986-996 or tweet at us with the hashtag CityTrends. We will reach out to you on how to get your app on the show. And so now we are getting into the new segment, Your Tech. Um, and last week we had two questions. And uh, Mr. Entry is here with us. Mr. Entry, so um, walk us through what exactly happened last week and um, what we are looking at getting. Okay, so last week we had two questions from listeners. And uh, we, today we are getting answers from experts. Okay. So we'll play right away the first question from Cyril. Okay, so this is the question from Cyril, the f- very first question that we had from last week. Hello, City Trends. This is Cyril from Kaswa. Can anyone recommend to me uh, the Find My Phone app that actually works? Uh, my brother misplaced his phone, actually it was stolen from his car, and I tried to download some apps, um, Find My Phone apps, which I've tried, but none of them is working. I also heard uh, MTN uh, doing something like that, but when I call them, I think the service is no more existing. So if anyone knows, uh, find my phone app that can find people's phone, which is the, which actually works, uh, you can direct me to it. Okay, so that was our very first question for last week, and uh, we had an expert answering the question. Yeah, move straight to it. Okay, so let's go straight to the answer from my expert for this week. Hi, this is Patrick from Haptel. So, yes, um, one way to find your phone, especially if it's Android, is Google provides an app on the Play Store called the Google Find My Phone, which you can use to find it. If you want to use that, what you do is you go to the Play Store and then um, install the Find My Device app. You'll find it on the Play Store. Install it. But you need to log in with your um, Google email or Gmail. And when you do that, it will show you every device that you've used that Gmail account to set it up. And when you see it, you can play a sound that is if you are sure it is um, nearby or you can lock the phone or you can actually erase all the data that you have on it. If you don't want to install the app, you can go to their site, which is um, google.com slash android slash find. And there too, you can log in with your Gmail account and be able to um, see all the devices that you have also set up with your Gmail account and be able to find it on the map. You can also do the same thing. You can play a sound if the device is close to you you can erase the data that is on it or you can actually lock the phone or secure the phone. Um, but I want to say this, that if the phone doesn't have internet on it, as of the time you are finding it, it will only show you the last location where um, there was internet access available, where Google was able to ping that phone. So you'll be able to trace to the last place where you have it. So for Google phones, or sorry, for Android phones, that's how you can go about to 
to do it. For iOS, or that's if it's an iPhone, what you can do is that um, you can get another iOS phone. They also have the same Find My Phone, but um, and that also allows you to be able to locate the last time. You have to log in with your Apple ID, and it will show you the devices that you've logged in with, set up with that Apple ID, and you can find the last location of that device. What I will say, and as it's an advice to everybody, is that um, most times people buy phones and these devices and do not secure them in terms of how to find it when it's missing in such cases. So I'll advise that as much as possible, if you're an iPhone user, you can go and add your friend or your, your, your spouse or your partner or your colleague to it. In that case, when the phone is missing, you can call your colleague, you can go to the settings and check where the last time the phone is and you can quickly um, get a phone. If it is Android, please set up your Find My Device settings on Android and set it up so that in case of any um, theft case or you losing the phone, you'll be able to find it. Thank you. Okay, so that was our first question and first answer. I think it's pretty comprehensive enough. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the second question. Sure. All right. Uh, my name is Ernie. I sent in a message with respect to my iPhone 5. Uh, apparently, uh, I was charging this phone after the battery was completely drained and I discovered that it won't come up anymore. I missed several attempts at uh, charging. Still, the phone will not still come on and uh, eventually I had to take it to a shop uh, to see what could have gone wrong. And uh, the guy said it must have been the battery. Any, you have to understand that a smartphone is a handheld computer. It's hardware controlled by software. The first thing you needed to do was to reset your phone. This is to confirm if the problem is with the software. Now, your option is to restore the phone, which means you are going to wipe all the software off together with your data. It is not an option for you because you don't have a backup. For smartphones or computers, you always need a backup. After, you have to take it to qualified and experienced technician who will check A, your battery, B, your charging system, and last, your logic board. Battery and charging system are usually easy to fix or replace depending on the device. But the logic board is usually quite expensive. And um, I guess that's it. So, so those are, are two questions. Sure. Bordering on finding your device and uh, someone's battery going yeah. haywire. It's, it's interesting. So um, people should just send send your questions and anything related to tech. Yeah, using the using our Twitter handle and then WhatsApp like our WhatsApp like zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six. But unfortunately, that's all time will allow us on today's show. It's been a pleasure coming. A big thank you to Mr. Entry and of course to Jeffrey uh, for joining us. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the time to do the trending segment. It's really, really unfortunate. Some pretty great stories we had for you. But thank you so much for making time with us. Thank you so much for your questions as well. And keep sending in your questions and your thoughts on the show as well. My name is Philip Sean. Till next week, stay techy. Thank <laughs> you.